what's going on? As I said, I was in Banff last week, and I'm seeing it in Edmonton too, but not to the same extent that I saw in Banff. And I think it's primarily because what do you see when you're in Banff? You see the hospitality sector, right? You see hotels, you see restaurants, uh, things like that. But literally every single restaurant that I went to um, had a sign in the door saying, we're hiring. Same with stores, same with hotels, everybody. They're really trying to find people to work. Um, And we've heard tales from people right across the spectrum, across the country, in fact, saying the same thing, desperate to hire staff. Still, though, the province has an unemployment rate that is down. It was down last month, but it's still over 8%. So what's going on? How can you have high unemployment at the same time as uh, quote-unquote labor shortage? Is it really a labor shortage? That's what we're going to talk about here. We are joined now by Jim Stanford who is the director of the Center for Future Work in Vancouver. Uh, Jim, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. My pleasure, Shay. Thank you. Really interesting discussion because you've been digging into the numbers around this, and we keep hearing labor shortage, labor shortage. So you've been taking a look at the current state of the labor force in Canada, and in a recent column, uh, those numbers don't necessarily indicate that we're seeing what we traditionally would think of as a labor shortage, Right. Yeah, absolutely. You think of a shortage as when you run out of something. Yeah. And you can't possibly say that we've run out of workers. I agree that particularly in hospitality, with all the on-again, off-again turmoil we've been through during the pandemic, you know, it's a logistical headache. You might call it a bottleneck to try and go out and recruit workers when you all reopen. But you can't possibly say that we've run out of workers in any kind of general sense. Yeah, I mean, when you see unemployment at 8.3, I think, in Alberta right now, if I remember correctly. 8.5 it was, yeah, 8.5 on Fridays, yeah, among the higher in Canada. Yeah, very high, and you're still seeing all of these things. So what are the factors then? Why are we seeing why there's so many jobs that are open and so many people that aren't taking these jobs? Well, one of them is just the timing. I mean, we've never been through a situation where you shut down the whole industry, right, Mm -hmm. for health reasons, and then reopened it at the same time. So you've got thousands of restaurants and other hospitality facilities across Alberta, across Canada, really, all opening at the same time, all trying to reconnect with their staff. Um, And you've had this boom and bust uh, scenario. You know, we had a partial opening last summer, then we had to shut it down again, then we opened up in February, then we had to shut it down again. Uh, I will tell you, the hospitality industry in Alberta has uh, created and hired over 30,000 new people in just the last two months. Okay, so uh, we we are growing. They are finding workers. They found 30,000 new workers in two months. That's an incredible surge in employment. Um, Now, uh, it's not enough, given the sudden surge in demand for restaurants with the reopening. So, you know, again, I I absolutely uh, sympathize with the managers who are trying to find staff. Many staff gave up on the industry, right, over the last year and a half and uh, went to find some other uh, way to support themselves. Um, And uh, so it's a headache. But, um, you know, the workers are out there. We've still got uh, 8.5% official unemployment in Alberta. There's lots more um, pools of underutilized labor. We've relied way too much on part-time jobs uh, in Alberta. Over 30% of the new jobs created in the last year have been part-time. And a, no, a good way to, to, to address the labor supply problem is to create good regular full-time jobs instead of part-time hours. Uh, so there's things that can be done, and I'm pretty confident they will be done, and this industry will adapt and adjust to this reopening. Now, of course, a lot of people say, well, why would people take these minimum wage jobs in the uh, hotel or the restaurant when they can sit right. home and get the CERB money, pays them pretty much the same thing, they'd be crazy to go get the job. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? 
Well, I'd say that's, that that the concern is kind of half true. Certainly, the, the wages uh, in hospitality are very low, typically quite close to minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, even worse, I think, are the hours uh, of work, Shay. Uh, you know, in, in, in restaurants and bars and hotels, uh, a lot of the time you're working odd shifts here and there. You don't necessarily have uh, predictability in those shifts, and you don't get enough hours. So I think the hours are more of a problem, frankly, than the wage. Uh, but all told, the, the average hourly income in hospitality is around $500 a week, and that's less than half the rate for the overall labor market. So, you know, on one hand, you could say if you're paying less than half the going rate, you shouldn't be surprised you have a hard time attracting people, right? So, yeah, it's um, not... Now this, I, the easy the, answer the then is of, rather than just... Sorry. If, if, sorry no, my, my apologies. Yeah. So the easy answer then, I guess, is, hey, if you're worried about government assistance uh, making it you know, the, a wash for people to sit home, maybe you got to pay a little more, right? I, I think that's part of it. And I do think the role of government assistance is, is kind of overstated. I think it's a bit of a, an urban myth that everyone's sitting at home collecting CERB. First of all, CERB itself doesn't exist. It was cancelled last September. Uh, we've got a range of other emergency of benefits them, yeah. that pay $300 a week, typically, and you have to you have to qualify. That means you have to have either lost your job or lost over half your income because of COVID. You have to be actively seeking work, and a, a lot of people don't meet those. So the, the idea that, you know, there's uh, millions of Canadians sitting at home living off the government just uh, doesn't, doesn't wash. And um, uh, we can also see it in the job creation data. As I say, they are creating significant numbers of jobs. If you really could sit at home and make swads of money, how, how is it that minimum wage restaurants hired 30,000 people in the last two months? So I think that's a kind of a, uh, I don't know, a sort of a tough love uh, trope, uh, if you like, that we seem to think that people are lazy and, and, and we have to kick them in the butt to get them to work. And uh, I think that that doesn't really describe what's going on here. Another thing that's kind of interesting here is we're seeing a bunch of different, well, I guess it's industry primarily saying, hey, you got to go back to the temporary foreign workers program that we had before. We got to allow these people to come in and give us these cheap um, employees. Um, how, how, how can they make that case with unemployment rates being what they are? Yeah. You know, every time I hear a business uh, lobby group stand up and say to government, we've got a labor shortage, I know without even looking what's coming next. Number one, cut EI and other income supports. We've heard that claim. Number two, open up the temporary foreign migrant worker program uh, even more. And those are two ways that, in a way, help the business sector avoid the pressure of trying to recruit labor by improving the wages and and conditions. Instead of lifting wages, what we'll do is we'll find some other pool of desperate people who will work for cheap and do the job that I want them to do. Now, the temporary foreign worker program, of course, was clearly disrupted by the pandemic and for good reasons, right? Everything was disrupted and involved travel. So, um, and and I, uh, again, you know, for industries, the the program wasn't that big, frankly. It was 2 or 3% of total employment across the country. But there's some firms that I think became, you know, dependent on the cheap foreign labor to to meet their staffing needs. And for them, it's a headache. So this is, in a way an opportunity and a challenge to rethink their business model and say, okay, I, I can't really count on this program. We don't even know where this pandemic is going. It's not over yet, obviously. So in the meantime, we're going to figure out how to do this with the workers we've got here in Canada. Um, so what's the prediction here? I mean, I think everybody recognizes that coming out of what we've been going through for the yep. last eight months, there's going to be some bumps in the roads. There's going to be some ups and downs, and it's not going to be a smooth, hey, oh, hey, everything's fine again all of a sudden. Is that what this is? And we can look to, you know, six months or a year from now, all of this being sort of settled and, and back to some sort of functioning reality? 
that's a big piece of it. There's no doubt that this is a you know a, a bottleneck, a logistical headache as we try to reopen. But the the Alberta hospitality sector is now hiring more people than it has since. February 2020, before the pandemic hit. So they're a long way towards recovery. They've still got some more to go, and they're still going to have some headaches trying to find workers. Hey, they've got headaches trying to find plexiglass. They've got (laughs) headaches trying to find everything else, the food and everything else that they need when they open up. So this is quite understandable. So I think to a large extent, this problem is going to resolve itself. Uh, A good analogy, Shay, remember in the pandemic when everyone decided to renovate their house at the same time? Well, you know what that did to the price of lumber, right? It went bananas. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't stay bananas forever. The market adjusted and uh, people adjusted their plans. And lo and behold, the price of lumber is pretty well back to normal. And I think with a few months, uh, much of this will be uh, solved. I will point out, though, that hospitality employers have always complained about a labor shortage. Long before the pandemic, they said there was a labor shortage. And uh, again, I think that's just... Uh, reflects their failure to offer the sorts of jobs. They, they had very high turnover. People take the job, but then they quit because the wages are low or the conditions are bad or the hours are irregular. So they always have vacancies they can't fill. And that was true before the pandemic, and I think that will still be true unless they rethink their business model and say, here's a way where we can offer jobs that you can live on that are careers rather than kind of short-term throwaway jobs, and that's how you'll uh, manage to address this problem long-term. It'll be interesting to see. And, and yeah, it's going to be a rocky road. <laughs> there, there's no question. So uh, we'll stay up to speed on it. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Shay. That is Jim Stanford, who is the director of the Center for Future Work in Vancouver, talking about, um, well, I guess, do, do you call it a labor shortage? That's that's the question I have. And, and we've done this story before here, right? You remember us talking about this before. Can you call it a labor shortage when you're in a position where unemployment in the province of Alberta is 8.5 and businesses are saying, we can't get people to come work for us. 